Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 145 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam. Hello. 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 Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice of you to, you know, join us on on this wrestling podcast. I mean, you're able to fit it in between all your other wrestling podcast appearances this week. Just the one. Just the one other one. I feel like it's just in all the headlines right now. You know, it's like... The big story is your appearance on Pod Van Dam and all the controversy that you've, uh, the devastation you've left in your wake. <laughs> well, we'll get into the controversy and the devastation at the end of the show, only because the episode just came out today. Uh, and it came out kind of like late in the afternoon. So I don't want people to like listen to this first for some reason and then listen to that and then have things spoiled. You never know how things are going to cross over. You know, I learned my lesson. The hard way listening to Tim and Marcus when they do viewers choice mm-hmm. and final wrestling place. You always have to listen to final wrestling place first. Oh, because final yeah. wrestling final wrestling place is always recorded like on a Saturday and then viewers choice is recorded like right after the pay-per-view. So it's late on Sunday. Yeah, you know what? I think I get myself in trouble there because it's kind of like a long box heroes, long box heroes after dark situation. Right. Because I generally do the pay-per-view recaps like the night of the pay-per-view and then Monday the show proper drops and then I listen to that, you know. So I think in my overzealousness to to consume Tim and Marcus, you know, all that they offer, I'm, I'm trying to listen to them as soon as they come out. I guess I should wait until, you know, uh, both of them are out. Yeah, they, they they might get their turn in the barrel today. No. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. They're, they're, they're not my chew of the week. Maybe something else is. Oh. Uh, uh, but. I, yeah. No, sorry, I just, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and before you move on to, you know, anything else, I just want to say, uh, speaking of, like, draft shows and kind of, like, podcasts, uh, Joe, I don't know if you saw the announcement across the, you know, the major podcast group of shows, but, uh a little certain podcast is is coming back called the Figure Wrestling Federation, and I, I think we should have a real quick on the air discussion about what that means for us and our our patented uh, recap of the Fig Fed. Well, it's only once a month, mm-hmm. and again, this is another one of those ones. And so there's a lot of correct listening order stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So typically, I'll listen to uh, Major Wrestling Figure Show Maine when it comes out, and then I'll listen to uh, true broski story, whatever, second. And where do you listen to Majorland in that? I, I, what's that now? <laughs> it's the third flagship show of the network. <laughs> well, what's the what's uh, Chelsea's solo podcast for the brand that she's building behind Broski's back? Green with Envy. Green with Envy, envy where she liberally talks about her and Broski's sex life. If there, was, if there ever was a podcast P- PSA to stay far away, that's it. <laughs> but because they record uh, Broski True Long Island Story first, um, the whole thing about the major uh, about Figure Wrestling Federation coming back started there. Mm-hmm. Broski brings it up, and Mark is like, "Does Brian know?" <laughs> and Broski's like, "Well, we said it here, so he has no choice; he has to do it." Uh-huh. And then they then Broski brings it up on Major, and Brian like just doesn't even answer. He doesn't even respond. <laughs> uh, and they're like, uh, I guess maybe Mark, you'll take over your figures and you'll be the moderator. 
and Brian's like completely non-committal on it. So yeah, uh, I, I just because Broski said it doesn't mean it's gonna happen. But if it happens, uh, it's allegedly only gonna be once a month. Mm-hmm. That I, I think can, it's gonna happen. That I can handle. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think there's a very very large group of our listening base that really enjoyed our our recaps of the FWF. You know. So, got to get that coveted Toy Boy demographic back on board. Yeah. <laughs> so, you mentioned me being on Pod Van Dam, and the reason it was late was, you know, one bit was we recorded late. Usually, lately, they've been recording on Sundays. Mm-hmm. But this time, they recorded on Monday. I didn't ask why. I was just told, like, hey, we're recording on Monday instead. I'm like, I can do Monday. And now, Adam, we've been doing this show now for... Coming up next month is going to be, what, two years that we've been doing this? Feels like a lot longer, but that seems right, yeah. I think maybe three years, if my gazinta is going correctly. Mm. Uh, three years. Oh, all right. Um, so, that being said, we've used Skype this entire time. Yep, old, reliable, old, faithful, never there let us you down. Go. Old, faithful. How many times have we ever had a problem with Skype? Only when you forgot to hit record. One time. No, no, no. So that's the thing. I, I, I did hit record. I just started recording before everybody was on the call. Okay. <laughs> so so that was user error. I can't blame <laughs> Skype for that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one time that was my fault was the only time that we ever had a problem with Skype. Uh, they over at Pod Van Dam use something called Ringer. All right. R-I-N-G-R. So I, I saw you tweeting out a, a, thankful, a thank you to them earlier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If it wasn't for them, I think the show might have been out actually like on Tuesday. <laughs> um, but that being said, uh, so it's like they have to send me a code and then I have to log into their site and then I have to put the invite code in and then it just sits, right? Uh-huh. I try it through Chrome. I th- try it through Firefox. I th- try it through Edge. Uh, and, like, I say to this ringer, what's the matter? Y'all don't like Edge? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I even have an old, unsupported version of Internet Explorer on my computer just because. You never know when you're going to need it. Sure. It doesn't work through any of that. So, like, well, maybe try through the phone, okay? Mm-hmm. So I try it through my phone. And I'm like, this is going to sound like shit, Right. I have to take the case off my phone because if I, so I have to put headphones in my phone. I don't use my phone for those purposes, but the headphones I have are like too thick in conjunction with the thick case that I have in my phone. So I have to take the case off my phone to put the headphones in. So they're not echoing back while I'm trying to do the show. And then anytime, cause I, I didn't think I was going to be using my phone. So I had a bunch of notes on my phone so that I wasn't dicking around on my computer while we were recording the show. And any time that I went away from the Ringer app, it showed on their end that I had left the call. <laughs> so then all the notes and stuff, which was screenshots of tweets, because, again, lately, you know, you take screenshots of people's tweets because you can't trust that they're going to be there in 20 minutes because everyone deletes their shit because they're cowards. So I have these screenshots that I then have to email to myself so that I could look at, so that my phone stays on the the, the Ringer app, and then Ed's dropping off the call, I'm dropping off the call again, and the worst thing about this goddamn app is they pay for it. They pay $8 a month to use this service. Ugh, that's an entire Patreon's donation gone in one swoop. Jesus Christ. (laughs) 
And I'm like, have you ever heard of Skype, guys? <laughs> I don't know. And what, but uh, what Jonas re- likes the big file that he gets. It's a nice, big, meaty file. <laughs> or in this instance, six files when they have to keep cutting it up because everyone keeps dropping off the goddamn call. Yeah, I was going to say, what's his, like, uh, predilection against Skype? Just the file size? I guess. So, th- okay, I don't know if they mentioned on the show. So the problem is they interview a bunch of wrestlers. Yeah. And yeah. all these wrestlers have iPhones. And I guess these wrestlers' iPhones don't support Skype or can't support Skype or they don't want to put Skype on there. I feel like it's the latter because I'm pretty sure Skype works on everything, but yeah. I don't so listen, it was a bunch of it was a bunch of lame excuses, but the show got done. I'm glad people enjoyed the appearance. We'll talk more about it later. And just as a side note, it's gonna be three years this September that we've been doing this show. Oh, all right, yes. Three years. I knew it was at least two or three or something. Yeah. All right. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So that break was a perfect segment for me to uh, put in the uh, This Day in Wrestling History music. Yeah. Love hearing it every time because I like to go back and listen to the podcast so I can hear all DeWiki's music. Well, I could send you all the raw files if you really want them, you know. <laughs> all right. I'm waiting for the soundtrack to come out, the soon-to-be-named network soundtrack on vinyl. When, oh, on vinyl. Get a limited <laughs> pressing on some sort of colored vinyl or some shit. Yeah, it sounds better on vinyl. That's what I hear. <laughs> get all those pops and hisses really in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. So... A bunch of interesting things uh, on this day. You know, so we're going to do it this way. Again, we always bounce around a bit, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So on this day in wrestling history in 1991, very close to the beginnings of wrestling, according to Adam. Yeah, infancy. uh, Ric Flair signs with the World Wrestling Entertainment. I, I feel like this is a, like you send me an email with like the bullet points of what's going to be in this day in history. And uh, I feel like just looking ahead as well, this is a very light news day that we're talking about signings because I, well, I feel like we're usually talking about in ring things, you know, people being born, people dying. But like next thing you know, like next week, you're going to be like, oh, Hulk Hogan so- signed his extension with the WWE in 1984. <laughs> well, again, you, you make this joke. But this is a much bigger deal because Ric Flair, again, signs with World Wrestling Entertainment on this day Mm. um, while still being the WCW NWA World Heavyweight Champion. The real world's champion. Two weeks before the pay-per-view Great American Bash where he's supposed to defend the title against Lex Luger. Mm -hmm. So now World Wrestling uh, WCW has to scramble and throw things together. And then it's like right around the same time where Bobby Heenan starts showing up on WWF TV with the NWA title. Now, again, this is 1991. I'm fully in like I'm fully engrossed. I'm watching WCW every show that I can get. I'm watching WWF every show that I can get. And then all of a sudden on this weekend's uh, syndicated TV, the show starts off with Jim Hurd, president of World Championship Wrestling, telling us that Ric Flair has been suspended and stripped of the WCW title. Mm-hmm. And then a week later on w- WWF TV, Bobby Heenan shows up with the NWA world title saying that the man who holds this belt, the real world champion, is coming to the World Wrestling Federation. 
So I, it was a different time. I wasn't, you know, a 13-year-old dirt sheet reader. We'll get to that shortly. <laughs> so this whole thing was like crazy to me at the time, right? Like he's signing, he's the champion and he's leaving the company, right? Yeah. Crazy. I, I think that I've said this before that I recognized the belt from the after mags that I was kind of perusing like sure. Prowler's copy of, but I had no idea who like Ric Flair was or how significant it was that this guy was showing up in WWE, you know? Um. So I only mentioned that um, because also on this day in wrestling history in 1999, Chris Jericho signs with the World Wrestling Entertainment. Now there's a signing right there. Okay, <laughs> so that's a pretty big deal because like, you know, this is like right around this time is where like the countdown to the millennium thing starts. Um, you know, Jericho doesn't de debut on TV for like another like 30 days or whatever it is. But I think he might have been, like, like he had been off TV for a little bit. And then right after this was announced, he was put in the TV title tournament and was squashed in, like, seconds by Scott Steiner in the first round. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that was the impetus for him, you know, going. And obviously, Ric Flair's run uh, in 91 to 93 when he leaves um, is much different than Jericho's run in WWF. Mm -hmm. And Jericho's run in WWF, of course, comes out as like a rocky start. And, you know, the first couple months are a little, you know, iffy. But it was just so interesting to see that, like, those two things happened on the same day, eight years apart, you know? Yeah. And, and as somebody that was a huge, huge Jericho mark when he was, you know, had this cruiserweight title run, you know, man of a thousand and four holds and all that stuff. Like, I saw that as a personal victory, that he was liberated from WCW and was interacting with The Rock on his first night on television. Man, Jericho was one of my all-time favorites before I learned what he was like outside the ring. I still want to get unblocked by him on Twitter, but, uh, I, you know, definitely one of my faves. And it's a shame what happened to him in his later years. Yeah, well, and see, that's the thing. I, I'm trying to pinpoint, like, when I stopped liking Jericho and... Because I liked him a bit into the early AEW run. You know, I was a Jericho fan, too. You know, I got the I saw him in ECW. I saw him in Smoky Mountain before this. And then he comes to WCW and I see that as a victory. And then, as you mentioned, everything there and then how they mishandle him during the program that he wants to do with Goldberg. And then him come to WWF when WWF was like super hot. They debut him in the promo segment with The Rock. I'd say one of the more memorable moments in all of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there is, a, there is a thing as overstaying your welcome. Yeah. Would you say that he ate his entire chocolate bunny? <sighs> he looks I mean, like he ate it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I kid, I kid. Um, I think all he's got is like the eyes left. You know, you get the <laughs> shitty chocolate bunny that has like those little candy eyes on it, you know? Yeah, completely inedible. That's the only thing keeping him from eating them. <laughs> he's got it. Well, no, it's nothing. That, right, listen, I ain't going to stop him. He could crush it up and snort it. Allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> but he has it like in a little Tupperware container, right? Yeah. Like one of those things that you like put your teeth in when you're a kid to put, leave out for the tooth fairy, like a little plastic thing like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's all I have left. He goes, once <laughs> I eat this, then my career is over. So he has it like in that little thing and like a necklace around his neck or some shit. Right? <laughs> uh, all right. 
So last but not least, I, I, I saved this one for last. I, I called an audible on myself because on this day, wrestling history, uh, 1995 was the ECW arena uh, event entitled Hardcore Heaven. Now, it was a big double shot weekend. I was at the uh, event in Jim Thorpe the night before. Uh, but just to run down the card from this day is uh, the Pitbulls uh, taking on the debuting Little Snot and Dudley Dudley. Uh, Who can forget they, those two Dudleys? I mean, really. <laughs> uh, well, again, Dudley Dudley may come up again in about four months' time, three months' no. time. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Then we get the tag team match of Dino Sendoff and Donnie Allen taking on Chad Austin and the Broad Street Bully, which was a match that was purposely set out there for them to be shitty so they could do the big 911 run in and lay them all out, you know? Mm hmm. Uh, then Hack Myers versus Big Val Puccio from the Bronx. <laughs> uh, Too Cold Scorpio taking on a freshly babyface turned, uh, no longer face paint, furry singlet wearing Taz. <laughs> uh, Raven and Stevie Richards defending the ECW tag team titles that they had won the night before in Jim Thorpe against Tommy Dreamer and Luna Vachon. Axel Rotten versus Ian Rotten in a Taipei death match where they had glass taped to their fists and just like blatantly gigged in front of the camera. Um, Sandman defending the title against Cactus Jack. Uh, this sets up three weeks from now in a no ropes barbed wire match between the two. But this is also Shane Douglas's last appearance in ECW before going to the world wrestling entertainment where everything worked out just fine. Well, we're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, and then the main event was the first ever meeting between the public enemy and the gangsters, the gangsters who had just debuted the night before attacking public enemy in their match with Raven and Richards, costing them the tag team titles. Okay. Okay. So this weekend, I, 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 I'm still, I'm still like three months away from making my first trek to the ECW arena, you know, as a, as a 17, 18 year old kid, I'm leery about going to Philly. I'll drive to Jim Thorpe. Right. Yeah. This weekend at the Jim Thorpe show is the first time that I ever read a dirt sheet. Ooh. Uh, so someone there, I, I wish I can remember who it was because it was like an internet convention. So there was a lot of folks. There was a lot of luminaries there that uh, I did not know at the time because I was very much like a lurker on the internet during those days. Yeah. Okay. Um. So he had given me, he's like, oh, it's an old copy of an observer, right? And and old was like maybe like a week or two old. Now, bear in mind, this is June 30th, July 1st, okay? Mm -hmm. And in there, it says that Shane Douglas is going to be debuting uh, his teacher character in the World Wrestling Entertainment, where he's going to be grading people's matches. And he's going to give the Razor Ramon Shawn Michaels match at SummerSlam uh, match a poor grade, which is going to lead to his first program with Razor Ramon. Now, again, bear in mind, this is in a piece of paper that I'm given in July of 1995, and then all this shit happens, like, a two months later. It's like you were given the Gray Sports Almanac. Yes! <laughs> I was like, holy shit! I'm like, how does this stuff leak out? Like, I was shocked, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Like, I get, like, it's like, oh, this guy, there's rumors of this, right? 
Mm. Or there's rumors of like this vague thing. But like in this issue of The Observer, it was like, here it is, like bit by bit by bit. Like here's like Shane Douglas's next six weeks in WWE. You know, like here's the match at SummerSlam that hasn't been announced on TV yet. Here's the, you know, here's what it's going to lead to. And here's where it's going to go. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. I was in a state of shock. Yeah. Nothing like that could exist now because there's no planning beyond like the next hour in the WWE. You know, they, they don't know what's going on next week, let alone, uh, you know, a month from now. Well, you know, when there's and that's how like stuff like the the rumors come out that like, oh, Rome or um, John Cena is coming back and the Rock's coming back and Roman's coming back and they're all going to be fed to Roman on the road to WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. I just mean the specificity of it. Yeah. So that specificity, that stuff comes out like maybe like the afternoon of. Yeah. (laughs) You'll you'll see that stuff leak out, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And like even further still like, okay, yes, there's a limited amount of planning these days. Or there's planning that changes, you know, from a Friday to a Monday or from a Monday afternoon to a Monday night. But the fact that there's no more taped shows for WWF. Everything's more or less live. Yeah. This is the time when WWF would record like four weeks of TV in a weekend. So did did they record any of the Dean Douglas stuff before that weekend of ECW shows? Well, that's the thing. So Shane Douglas, like the, the angle of him leaving to go to the WWF and started in April, this was the end of that. But you know, as we learned from the AEW or the the A and E Mick Foley documentary, uh, Mick Foley was already filming stuff and getting fitted for Mankind stuff in December '95, January of '96, when he was still in ECW as like one half of the tag team champions, and he ends up not leaving ECW until March. Not and bad. like while he's wrapping up like his last couple dates with ECW, he's already testing out the Mankind gimmick in like Memphis. Okay, so, like, I don't remember Dean's uh, debut, but if there was, like, vignettes and stuff like that, they were probably filming them already. Right, and that's the thing. They were probably filming them, at like, at the Stanford Studios to show on TV, maybe showing to the live crowd um, at the TV tapings, and that's how that stuff gets out, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. All right. So just very interesting stuff all in this day in wrestling history. So... Uh, let's get into, Adam, what we liked and didn't like, uh, from the last seven days here in the world of professional wrestling. All right. I'm going to start things off with a like, and when this match was announced on NXT television this week, I wrote down that this was going to be a dislike. And the reason why is I was going to be like, why did they let Swerve Scott in the ring with Bronson Reed if Swerve's not going to go and win the title? This is stupid. Why are you having a guy who's leading a hot stable lose to a guy so early in his run? So it was going to be in my dislikes. But wouldn't you know it, Joe? Swerve Scott won the North American title, so it's in my likes. Uh, I, reason why, obviously, we've been high on Hit Row the last couple of weeks. I think Bronson Reed, perfectly fine guy. I just don't think that there was... You know, the reaction there, you know, maybe it would be better in front of a live crowd from the win it back. But I like Hit Row. And I think when we get to the day in front of a live crowd 
where just through happenstance and by accident, Hit Row sees itself looking across the barrel at the diamond mine. Uh, it's going to be like one of those uh, huge, huge pops, like when the Shield and the Wyatts finally faced off. So uh, I'm here for it. Uh, I think it's good on Swerve. You know, I like this whole angle. Good for him for winning the North American title. So this is one my my likes, if I confused you. No, uh, not confused. I'm I'm with you. I liked it. Not on my list. Thought it was a really good match. Yeah. Um, I, I could argue and say that maybe they took the belt off Bronson a little bit too quickly. Um, but Bronson was up last week, and I think he wrestled on main event um, as the North American champion the same weekend that Karrion Cross wrestled on main event as the NXT champion. So maybe they're looking at Bronson going up to the main roster here. Maybe they're looking to put him on the touring um, super shows. It could be a hundred different things, but I don't think the beef between uh, Hit Row and Bronson Reed is done. When it comes to a title, a lot of times it's better when it's the uh, chase for the babyface to be going after the heel who has the title. But either way, I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, I, I agree with it. seemed kind of rushed. That's why I originally assumed that Swerve was going to lose the match. If they weren't in such a hurry to do whatever it is that they're doing, I, I would have rathered have, you know, Swerve send Dollar King after Bronson Reed and have obviously Bronson win that and send uh, Adonis after him and have Bronson win that until finally, you know, Swerve gets his shot and then wins. Some kind of scenario where they could have drawn it out some, but it did seem like they're in a hurry to go in a different direction. For sure. All right. What am I going to go with? Let's go with a like um, right. from uh, AEW Saturday Dynamite. I really liked the Jungle Boy Kenny Omega match. OK, geez, that's two dynamites ago within the, on this recording schedule that we're doing well, it's the last seven days. <laughs> no, no, I don't argue it. I it just I completely forgot about that show. <laughs> um, I, I've said it many times here on this show, and I'll say it many more times until I'm blue in the face. Uh, you all, whether on the show proper uh, or online or wherever it is, and you want to say, no, Sammy Guevara is the future of AEW, no, uh, MJF is the future of AEW, you're both wrong. Jungle Boy is the future of AEW. He's the one that's going to be your star in five years. He's going to be the one that is going to be that breakout crossover whatever. Nope. Whatever issues you might have with Sammy inside the ring or outside of the ring, whatever issues you might have with MJF inside or outside of the ring. I I defy anyone to watch this match with Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega for the title and like not think that this kid's not a star. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way toward Kenny because Kenny's, you know, I think Kenny's really good with the right opponents. Kenny has really good matches. Um, but what they do with Jungle Boy from here, and I know you and other folks have been like, well, they just come off that Orange Cassidy match, and then Orange Cassidy goes from feuding with Kenny to feuding with the Wingmen to feuding with the Blade. Mm. There's ebbs and flows to our pushes. We've all been conditioned to the way that World Wrestling Entertainment has done things over the last 20 years because they've been on the only game in town. When it comes at least to the men's side of the roster, I haven't lost complete hope in the way that um, some of these guys' pushes are being handled. 
Yeah, I, I do agree with you. Great match. I do agree that uh, Jungle Boy is one of the potential faces of the, the, the brand in a couple of years. You know, you mentioned Sammy Guevara and MJF. Obviously, you know, we've talked about Darby Allen and other guys that are more or less homegrown. You know, they were names on the indies, but they're getting their national exposure in AEW. So, uh, but yeah, good match. I do worry that he's going to slide down. You know, you mentioned that that's kind of the formula so far, but uh, I don't know. Was he like, refresh my memory on AEW this week? Wasn't he just kind of in there with like Matt Hardy now, the Hardy family? Well, so, you know, it's, so he's still with Jurassic Express and Christian was there to kind of like, you know, cheer him on and say, hey man, you lost, but it's no big deal. They gave him kind of like, and I forget who he, he wrestled and it really doesn't matter, but they made a huge deal that he's the first AEW wrestler to get 50 wins. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, commentary was very confused and kept saying that he was 50 and 0 many, <laughs> many, many times. But again, I think like they made a big deal out of it. Like he's the first guy to get the 50 wins, you know? Yeah. Um, and then like the Hardy family, whatever, the Hardy family office come in and it looks like they're setting up a multi-man with them against Jurassic Express and uh, Christian. And I think the bigger storyline is that he's probably going to have a match with Christian somewhere down the line. And I think a win over Christian will do a lot for Jungle Boy. Well, you're not excited to see Matt Hardy versus Christian in 2021? That seemed to be where they were going. Did you see the way Matt Hardy moves like I move? Now, (laughs) granted, he's he's put a lot more punishment onto his body, like through physical punishment. I've put a lot more emotional and food-based punishment on my body. And I move just as well as Matt Hardy did this past week. Yeah. All right. I guess I guess it's OK to move Christian on to something else. I want to mind see Christian. You know, he doesn't have to fight the, the mustache twirling villain of the week. I'd like to see him just lean into, you know, I'm the veteran who like works real hard and I want to wrestle the best guys and have him wrestle baby faces, you know? Yeah. Well, you that's know? what I think. They're, everyone's like, oh, Christian's going to turn heel on Jungle Boy. Like, no, it'll probably be like a baby face, baby face match. And Christian will probably play the heel on the match. And Jungle Boy will win, and Christian will be like, all right, you're in my respect. Yeah, you know, good game, you know, handshake, move on to the next guy. You know? Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do a like as well, and I just kind of relates to everything you just said there. Now, on Wednesday night, WWE Dynamite. What? We had, <laughs> on Wednesday night, WWE Dynamite, the main, of, the main event – Stop step, stepping on my words here, Joe. The main event, Sammy Guevara versus MJF. That's going to be one of my likes uh, because it has been a long time since we've seen Sammy wrestle one-on-one and without any kind of like inner circle gimmicks and clusters and uh, stadium stampedes and blood and guts and whatever. So you kind of forget like how good he is in a you know one-on-one atmosphere. Also, MJF deceptively good when he doesn't have the crutch of the pinnacle or Wardlow or the, the diamond ring or any of that stuff. So... Uh, I really enjoyed the match. I pleasantly surprised at how well the two of them worked together. Uh, despite the fuckery at the end of the match, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that main event. Yeah, I thought this match was okay. What? Yeah, just I thought. Um, I thought you're a bitter uh, old man. You're no, a bitter, no, bitter not a bitter old, old man. Um, I got a lot of nit- like. So a lot of times I'll sit here like oh, I like this match, but the more I look at it, I can nitpick some stuff on it and pull some things out of it. There's a lot more nitpicking than things that I liked in this match. Like Sammy's big crazy dive is going to be in every highlight package forever. 
No, yeah, then shame on him then. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying shame on him. I'm like, there's your one moment from the match. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I didn't think these two guys had great chemistry. Um, I thought the oh. you said it's like great to have them in a match without so much fuckery until the finish. You know the part that everyone will remember, uh, which really sucked. What was coming out of just an okay match? Mm. I know I'm in the minority on this one. I didn't love this match. Yeah, I mean the the finish with you know Wardlow grabbing Jericho and all that stuff, and apparently Pittsburgh now owns Wardlow, so good to know there was a trade between Pittsburgh and Cleveland, but. Uh, I don't know, man. I disagree with you wholeheartedly on that. Uh, I thought this was a great match. Uh, so you know what? Let's uh, let's stick with a like because uh, I liked a match, and this might shock you. Mm. Um, my other like this week was the Young Bucks versus Penta and Eddie Kingston match. Well, it's just because Eddie Kingston was in there. I feel okay. like that, that gets a whitewash when it comes to Bucks matches. Okay, I'll but say that. But um, I thought that this was the least annoying ironically as the bucks decide to grow shitty beards and mustaches to look <laughs> extra annoying this was the least annoying that they were like in with their in-ring stuff like the two cutesy for you stuff mm. and i think it was because they were in there with eddie and penta and they couldn't be like fuck around boys like they typically are i thought the finish was great with the stupid spray paying off and that they built up a big angle that Eddie and Penta, uh, essentially a makeshift team, the pieces that are left of the teams at John Moxley and Death Triangle and everything else, are the first team to pin the Young Bucks clean in over a year. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like, it was, the match itself was good, but the story made it that much better. Because there was a story that I cared about in the match, that's why I liked it that much more, that's why it ends up in my likes. Alright, well here's your receipt for the MJF Guevara thing. This match was fine. Nothing special. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying. It's cool that, you know, Moxley and Penta, or I'm sorry, Kingston and Penta got the win. But it's not like they're going to win next week. You know that that's not happening. The The elite is going to keep retaining these belts for a while, you know, whether it be the Bucks or Kenny Omega. So it's it's nice that they got their little feel-good story, but, you know, it's just going to lead to them losing this, this coming week. And I'm sure Kingston and Penta will come out of it looking strong because there will be some kind of schmas. But I don't like kind of go on the emotional roller coaster because I don't believe there will be a successful payoff, if that makes sense. Um, there's a handful of wrestlers that sometimes I let the veil of uh, kayfabe and all that stuff kind of wash over me a little bit. Mm. Uh, Raven used to be one of them. Uh, these days, Eddie is the other. Yeah. No, I, I do not fault you for, for having an attachment to the storyline for him. I just feel like this, I didn't bite. You know what I'm saying? I, I enjoyed you. the match. All right. Well, I'm going to stick with AEW uh, for my final AEW thing. This is a dislike, and this is the tag team match, the much-anticipated tag team match of Britt Baker and Rebel, or Reba, whichever, versus Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. Uh, clusterfuck of a match. Uh, Reba messes up her leg trying to break up a pin. Uh, Britt looked like she was knocked out going through the table. At least it was for me. She wasn't reciprocating the Iggy. Uh, just obviously in Vicky Guerrero, you know, whatever comedy match stuff, that's fine. But like, this is your women's champion. And, uh, I've been again saying I, I have no problem with Nyla Rose. 
Uh, she's a beast in the ring. She's awesome. But we've seen so much of her over the last two years of AEW. Is there literally nobody else on the roster she can feud with? Uh, Chris Statlander, Bunny, Thunder Rosa. I don't know if I'm missing anybody obvious, maybe like a face of women's wrestling. But uh, I'm just saying like bad match. Uh, looked like a lot of people were getting hurt. Uh, yeah, not ideal. Dislike number two or dislike number one. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so this was, uh, very bad, <laughs> but not in my, uh, list of dislikes. Um, I have no faith or hope. I know there's a lot of people it's like, man, AEW, their women's division's really good. And that's the thing. When it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, it's, it's real bad. And it's more bad than good. You know, if we're looking at like four weeks of TV, you'll get like one good week and three bad. Yeah. And now, this... I'll- this was another bad week. And the reason that Nyla is in this spot is because they're holding off some of the bigger defenses for, um, you know, them being on the road, of course, Brit or uh, Nyla getting one. And I'm sure they're going to walk back the match with her and Thunder Rosa when they're in Brit's hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was not the way to do this match. Uh, they could have did a singles match with, uh, Reba and or Rebel and Nyla and have Nyla kill her mm-hmm. and you know Britt kind of like toying because like she's almost a baby face anyway yeah and where she kind of toys a little bit with like uh, do I help my friend or whatever it is and then like she does it in a way that doesn't turn her baby face but still kind of keeps her heel and maybe she lays out Vicky Guerrero right because like Nyla's like oh I'm gonna you know if you don't whatever I'm going to kill Re- Rebel. And then Britt's like, well, fuck you. If you don't let her go, I'm going to kill Vicky Guerrero. And then Nyla could be the one who's like, well, I don't care about her. Kind of get Nyla and Vicky away from each other because they don't really need each other. And then Britt kind of show a little bit of empathy, but still be in a shit heel until like you do the full baby face turn in her hometown. But this helped nobody. This yeah. match stunk. And it was in the usual 9.30-ish spot for, um, you know, 9.15, 9.20-ish spot for every AEW women's match. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Thunder Rosa. Like, that was a ready-built feud just sitting there. Obviously, you know, right before Britt Baker won the women's title, she lost that high-profile hardcore match to Thunder Rosa. So you could have very easily had Thunder Rosa come out and just say, yo, I beat you, you know, a couple of weeks ago in that unsanctioned match. And now, you know, you're the champion. Let's, let's, you know, whatever, let's fight. But I don't know. It, it just, a little, what was Riho not available to, to feud with her? Like, it's just the same two or three people over and over again. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I think they're trying, but I don't know what they're trying. Yeah. All right, you're up. So I got a dislike, teased it at the beginning of the show. Um, it's a dislike, but it's also my chew of the week. Uh, World Wrestling Entertainment had another round of layoffs this past week. Um, some big name folks, they essentially gutted 205 Live. Um, that was the first time. I, and listen, when I saw the list of releases, it was the first time that I knew 205 Live was the thing. <laughs> um, I kid, I kid. But um, I would say the most egregious loss of the folks uh, that were let go uh, would be Everize. Um, and again, as I was, if you heard me on Pod Van Dam, I was screwed up because, you know, in my heart and my conversation, you know, I'm going to say their real names. And luckily I could say Matt and Jeff 
you know, Chase Park or whatever. Um, but Everrise had just like recently re-signed new contracts, like not three months ago. And then they get let go. And as you saw, some of the outpouring, of course, for them online, um, the support that they got, because the show must go on, uh, as they did the YouTube show this past weekend. And you saw everyone retweeting it out. Like you even saw like Karrion Cross and like other people still in the NXT roster who don't have to do that tweeting that stuff out. And again, that goes to show you what kind of guys these were. They may not have been like main event superstars or like heavily figured into like some sort of program, but they were featured players on NXT every week for the last like eight weeks almost. And there's no one else that you could say that about. Like there's a week where Adam Cole might not be on. Or there's a week where Karrion Cross might get mentioned in a video package, but he's not physically there. Everrise was there every goddamn week doing something, being put over by everyone. Uh, and, you know, they got a lot of people on the outside and on the inside pulling for them. Um, I'm pretty sure that when their 90 days is up, if they're still in the United States, which, again, is another issue, of course, because they're from Montreal, they're Canadian citizens living in Florida because they have jobs at the World Wrestling Entertainment, I'm going to guess, and again, this is only speculation, that they may not have their full green cards. So that's a whole other wrinkle that they get kind of dropped in their lap. And I know a lot of other people might say it's like this happens all the time with any jobs, sports and anything else like that. I don't follow other jobs. I don't follow other sports. I follow wrestling. And when bad shit happens to my friends, guys that I've known for 16 years, it bums me out and it sucks. But... They're making the most of it. They're charging forward. They're still putting out new content. They're trying to keep themselves relevant over these next 90 days. So when it's that 91st day, they got a schedule lined up of places to go. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, they do. Awesome. This is also my second dislike, and I had just put in my notes, ever eyes, dash, let Joe talk. But uh, I okay. want to just chime in a couple things here. This ever eyes releasing is right up there with like Alistair Black and Braun Strowman and like the huge head scratchers of guys that were being actively used, as you said, on recent television. You know, and you use the sports analogy that people are saying, oh, this happens in sports and this happens in other jobs. Well, you know what? I, I will tell you, I am a sports guy. And in sports, you do not take somebody who is performing, you know, optimally and then release them. Like if somebody's doing well and they're on the upswing, that's not when you cut them. So like it makes no sense that anybody would say, oh, this is what's happening, you know, in sports or like in my job in importing and exporting. If I have somebody working for me who's doing really well with everything I ask them to do and getting better and better by the week. That's not when I then choose to go in a different direction. So, like, uh, the reason why all of my likes and dislikes, I mean, I get it. NXT is WWE. I get it. I get it. But, like, I I really didn't pay much attention to Raw or SmackDown because I'm just getting sick of watching those shows. I'm getting sick of watching a lot of WWE programming because, you know, anybody you get invested in can just be the whim of some idiot away from being gone and i get it that can happen in any wrestling promotion but it feels like it's so much more severe in wwe because there's no rhyme or reason to it it's one thing if you're a huge brisango fan you know and you're like i really love it when they come out and they do their dress up entrances in nxt and then they get released 
you could be like, okay, I kind of get it. They weren't being used every once in a while. They'd lose to Legato Del Fantasma or whatever. But as you said, Everrise was featured prominently into great reactions on recent television. And it's like, as somebody like myself who did not know 3.0, never saw them before they were ever eyes and never saw their Chikara stuff until you made me start watching it recently. You know, I wasn't invested until I started seeing these ever eyes live stuff and seeing the pre pre show. So I was starting to buy in. So aren't I the target audience for these guys? You know, I'm the person who like, I don't know who they were before they were in the WWE. So I'm starting to get hooked. And then they're like, ah, oh, no, we're going to save some money there because we got to pay the evolution, you know? So that's why it gets, it's so, you know, impossible to follow this product. And uh, I always bitch when I talk to people about the podcast and they're like, oh, how's the podcast going? And I say, love doing the podcast, hate watching the fucking wrestling. And WWE is reason number one A for that because, man, like, I again, I am not the Ever Eyes fan that you or 99% of the listeners of this podcast are, but I fucking hated that, you know, just to see right when they were on the come up, you know, to get have it swept off because, again, I use the Eva Marie analogy, but I'm sure there's a 100 other people that they're signing to, you know, so how could they be cutting costs when they're already signing other people? It's frustrating, but, yeah, well, my other dislike. <laughs> right, and again, I, I want to say at least on my end, um, like six more things on this subject. <laughs> right. I don't want to say it's like, oh man, I, I can't believe they cut anyone from this group, the previous group or the group before and probably the group this weekend mm-hmm. um, because they had to pay Eva Marie. I don't think the Everrise money was Eva Marie money, if that I makes know. any sense. I know, but it's and, obviously it's an easy target. Right, and I don't think the, uh, let's say Anthony Green money was Carmella money. Okay, but you get what I'm saying. Like it's it's not the same way. It's like they don't look at like, well, if we fire these guys or let these guys go, we can hire like we can give this person that we already hired more money. There's rumors going around that these cuts are so they can start offering those big contracts to your Brock's, your John Cena's, your Rock's, your Goldberg's to make more appearances. Mm. So that they don't have to take more of a loss than they're not already experiencing. But the tale will tell itself. It stinks. And I mentioned Anthony Green. So I don't know Anthony Green. I've never met the guy. Everyone says that he's a nice guy. I've seen his work in a bunch of other places. Bear in mind, Anthony Green was a guy who was signed during the pandemic. He did not sign his WWE contract until almost April of last year. And... They let him go less like a year and like three months into the time that they were using him. And he was being prominently used on TV. Mm. So it's just it. I can't say that like I I've given up on WWE and, you know, like I met Ed was tweeting at me like I don't watch Raw. I watch the YouTube clips of Raw. I'll try to tune in for the Nikki Cross stuff because I'm I'm enjoying actually where that's going because I like Nikki a lot. But, like, the top programs on Raw I don't really care about. I watch SmackDown in full. I watch NXT in full. But, hey, man, listen, uh, if you're not digging WWE, there's Impact you could watch. Granted, it's on while we're recording. Uh, we got AEW. MLW is on. You can find that on YouTube. I think NWA is back doing stuff. Um, if you really wanted to find that, you can. I can point you in the right direction for those things it'll bring us a variety of stuff to talk about, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard because when you look at the main roster, I think there's really only, between Raw and SmackDown, there's really only two storylines or performers that just constantly deliver, like universally recognized as being must-watch. And obviously, one of them's the head of the table, Roman Reigns, Mr. Ooh-Ah Man, and obviously the other one's Spooky Alexa. But other than those two storylines, there's really nothing worth watching those five hours of television for. Well, and again, I, I don't watch, you know, Raw. I, I my raw consumption ends up being like 17 minutes of YouTube clips. Yeah. Oh, that's 16 minutes too long of raw. I think. Or <laughs> fair fair play to you. Fair play to you. Yeah. Uh, so my last dislike. And oh, I'm, I'm, sur- I'm surprised Everwise wasn't last. I lost count. No. Good. No. Because it was like positive stuff. Because the boys are working hard to keep their names out there, doing the videos, trying to stay re- relevant. You know. Yeah. Um. So I mentioned before with my likes, um, you know, the Young Bucks versus Eddie and Penta match. And uh, I said that, you know, there's wrestlers that I kind of like put the kayfabe on and I kind of get invested in them. And, you know, whatever the whole thing is, storylines, things that are planned out. But when something happens to a certain wrestler that I'm a fan of, sometimes a friend of, and uh, I I don't want to say that I take it personally, but it like stings a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not, Adam, I'm not sure. Have you ever heard of the wrestler Ray Deadly? Have you ever heard this name? Not at all. No. You've never heard of the wrestler Ray Deadly? No. What if I said um, Brother Ray Deadly? Does that uh, ring a bell? It's getting warmer. It's getting okay. warmer. How about yeah. Bully Ray? Sounds like a pretty lame name, but I have heard it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So Ray Deadly was on Busted Open Radio this past week, and there was a big to-do over the weekend about this promo that Eddie Kingston caught after, like, the show was over, just kind of like a raw-raw sort of thing of, like, hey, man, like, this locker room's awesome, everyone's got a lot of heart and passion, not like that other place, Um, and there was a lot of people that were divided on it, but Eddie Kingston's a guy who speaks from his heart, and he always has and he always will be. Um, Eddie Kingston don't cut bad promos because he's not cutting a promo. Um, he's more like Dusty Rhodes than any people that think they're Dusty Rhodes, even if they have Dusty's blood running through their veins. Mm -hmm. Um, so on his busted open radio show, Ray Deadly, um, said that that promo was not good, said that it didn't get the reaction to the crowd that he hoped it would, and Ray Deadly said, it's okay for Jericho to take shots like that. It's okay for Cody to take shots like that. But someone like Eddie Kingston needs to stay in his fucking lane. Mm -hmm. Now, I put a caveat on all all this. That a couple people pointed out that this smells like it could be a work. That they could be setting up some sort of Eddie versus Ray Deadly match. (laughs) <laughs> and to to that I say, I hope Tony Khan is smarter than giving Ray Deadly money to wrestle a match in the year 2001. Ray Deadly is someone whose idea of a good promo is using race-baiting lines, homophobic lines, and misogynistic lines. Ray Deadly never do a, drew a dime in this business. Ray Deadly is more remembered 
for what he did in 1991 to 2002 than he is for anything over the last couple years because everything that he's done over the last couple years has been a detriment to the business. Hmm. Whether it be the shitty stuff that he did in TNA, whether it be the Aces and Eights stuff, whether it be having horrible matches in Ring of Honor. And listen, I got people that are friends of mine that wrestle in Ring of Honor that say that he's a nice guy. But you know what? When your public persona presents you as a piece of shit, I, I it's kind of difficult for me to believe that your private persona is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a match with Bubba again. I'm sorry, Ray Deadly, excuse me, <laughs> against Tracy Williams. Um, it was filmed like maybe like two or three months before the shutdown last year. And it sucked. He gave Hot Sauce nothing. And Hot Sauce ended up winning the match in like a slip on the banana peel sort of finish. And I'm sure Ray Deadly convinced himself and everyone else like that that it was a big deal that Tracy got a a win over a big star like Ray Deadly. (laughs) But again, Ray Deadly's a nobody. A never will be. And he wishes he was Eddie Kingston today. And that's the other thing is, man, Eddie Kingston was probably a fan of you back in the day. Eddie Kingston was probably one of those fans that hated the Dudleys, but in the back of his mind saying, like, I love this stuff, you know? Um, Mm. And Ray Deadly can kiss my ass. Um, I really wasn't going to come on here and say all this stuff, but the more and more I think about it, that whole thing of him saying Jericho can do this and Cody can do this, Is it because they've been in the WWF before? Is it because you're a kiss ass and you think if you say nice things about them, they might hire you for a job? No one likes a kiss ass. I've said that maybe about 17 times today in private messages, and I'm saying it publicly. It don't matter if you're Ray Deadly. It don't matter if you're uh, or if you don't matter if you're uh, uh, no one likes a kiss ass. Mm -hmm. And that's what you are, Ray Deadly. You promote yourself as this big, tough guy with your phony accent. You sound more like Alex Jones than you do like someone to be afraid of. Screw you, Ray Deadly. Keep Eddie Kingston's name out of your goddamn mouth. Not like I'm going to do anything about it, but don't try to cash in on his relevancy when you've never had it. Yeah, uh, obviously not much to add to that. Agree with you on all fronts. I saw the busted open clip or whatever it was that, you know, Ray Deadly was on. And uh, one of the things that just stuck out at me is that, like, uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, Eddie Kingston spent his entire life on the indies and is now just getting his exposure. And he shouldn't be going and, like, taking shots at the other big company or whatever, as if, like... Eddie Kingston should be lucky to be there. And I, that's the biggest uh, offense that I took, you know, it's just that, that angle of it. But uh, yeah, I agree. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy forever. Mm-hmm. I did uh, like aces and eights though. <laughs> yeah. You just want one of those vests. <laughs> Maybe. Speaking of fuck those guys. obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. It's time to go over our homework assignment, Adam. 
Oh, well, I don't know. See, I was confused because you were like, fuck those guys. And I was like, I, I have no idea what this could possibly be leading into since I assigned such a great homework assignment. Yeah? <laughs> you signed a great homework assignment? That's what you're going to hang your hat on? Oh, no, not at all. I got myself on this one. <laughs> and see you passing the buck to Ed. <laughs> the well, Again, I... We're gonna we're gonna save my other remarks about the other people for a little bit later on, okay? Yeah, because I got I will, remarks on everyone here. Okay? All right, I will I will just say that the I got slid into my DMs in the last few days for the next homework. Oops, sorry for the next homework assignment, and it wasn't from Ed. It's from a much more higher caliber person. So uh, just so you know that the the homework is set for for the next one as well. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> so. Uh, what you, Adam, through Ed, assigned us was two episodes of Pat McAfee's Office Office Championship Wrestling. Uh, the first one was called Straight to Hell. The other one was called Mama's Dinner Table Match. Now, Adam, I've got a much stronger constitution than you might think. <laughs> um, because if you think these are going to kill the homework assignment, I have the one thing written down. Uh, in an envelope uh, hermetically sealed in a mayonnaise jar on Aunt Flabby's porch, that if and when this gets assigned, homework is done. No, oh, you've already said it publicly. It's the uh, Cody and Brandy show. No, 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 no. So uh, I have said publicly, if you assign the Cody and Brandy show, um, I'll bite that bullet and watch it. Uh, I also said if you assign me the Saudi uh, World Wrestling Entertainment shows, it would be over. And you said, oh, I'd never assign you those. Hmm. I, I, I do feel like you said publicly that if I assign Cody and Brandy, you would just quit homework. Um, maybe you've softened on it. You know, I don't know if I've I'll, softened. I, I like today birth, I've softened on it because I had to watch these two Pat McAfee. Things. Oh, see, I, I thought it was like the birth of little Liberty is what softened you on it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you, if you're not aware, I was in on the, uh, I brokered the deal for Brandy and, Cody to sell the pictures of their baby to People Magazine, so I got a big <laughs> off that. So that's why he gets a pass this week. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so uh, I also want to mention head over to uh, Mask Library. Kevin Hellions has a blog post usually about each one of these things, and I'll say this: um, I usually don't like to read this beforehand, but as I was reading it, I'm like, these are things that I already have written down. I messaged Kevin. I'm like, listen, I go a lot of the stuff that you put in that blog is stuff that I already have written down. Uh, again, I watched these on Saturday because I knew that I would be recording with the Pod Van Dam boys, and I wanted to yell at Ed in person about them, <laughs> and I didn't get a chance to. Um, so the less said about these things, the better. Uh, the first one is Dylan Bostic, uh, the wrestler who's so shitty and terrible that he made Ryback quit wrestling and <laughs> film food reviews in his car. Uh... He wrestles on both of these, one against the devil. For real, and, for real. Right. And another one against the test tube baby who got a point only because he kind of looks like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, that's in my notes, too. Nice. Okay. And the winner would be uh, if test tube baby won, then he would get to be with Dylan Bostick's mom, who was in the crowd. Dylan, Dylan, I don't know how old Dylan Bostick is, but I'm going to guess that he's in his early to mid-30s. The fact that when he gets dunked on on Twitter, his mom has to come and defend him. 
<laughs> that makes him like doubly triply sad. Um, the in ring action was passable to terrible for the most part. Um, this is maybe the saddest vanity project of a sad individual in Pat McAfee. Um, I would like if anyone in World Wrestling Entertainment saw this and said, we need to hire this guy to be the voice of our product, then they're all stupider than you would think they are. That's pretty difficult for them to be right. dumb, I thought, yeah. Right. Um, we also have uh, good old Ty Schmidt, who does a Jim Ross impersonation in 2019, the entirety of the show, that Pat McAfee just can't help but to crack up over. Um <laughs> And for both shows, they really lean into the jokes of having sex with your mama. Uh, that's a big joke for Pat McAfee in 2019. So good for him. I'm sure he's grown a lot since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kevin also said that this was like Juggalo Champion shit wrestling if it was not fun, like made by people who had no sense of humor. And that's what this is. It's bad wrestling, bad comedy. It's high production values, I'll give you that. We get the we get the uh, hard camera and the picture in picture so we can get as much Pat McAfee on the screen as possible. Um, I also want to remark that this stuff, these matches were such a rousing success. Pat McAfee, whose YouTube channel has over 1.4 million subscribers. Uh, the first video clocks in at a paltry 31,000 views. The second video barely breaks 8,000 views. Uh, So again, I don't know if most of those uh, subscribers are bought and paid for, but like when I see that sort of swing in the numbers, Mm -hmm. uh, it tends to uh, make me uh, think that there's something kabuki-ish going on here. Yeah, yeah. Like Uh, I I get missing a couple videos here and there, but like tend to be if you're subscribing to something, you're going to watch most of the product, yeah. Yeah, these seem to be actively avoided. Yeah. But there's one thing that I got to bring up, and this might be a sore subject. And this makes me call into question two people I like quite a bit. Okay. So on the Mm. first episode of this, I'm done. I I have nothing else to say about these these matches. These these were terrible. Stop taking advice from Ed in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) All right, go ahead. Okay. So uh, while they're hyping up the match with the devil and – Dylan Bostic. At one point, Pat McAfee says something, right? He says a thing, and I pause the video. And I sit here and I think to myself, I'm like, where have I heard that before? I know I've heard that somewhere. And I wrote it down, and I listened to it again. And I'm like, huh, that phrasing sounds so familiar. And then Monday morning, listen to my podcasts and One of the podcasts I listened to in the morning, uh, on a Monday morning, the two people on that show said it. And then I realized, oh, they say that all the time. Uh, And that's triple stamp your double stamp. (laughs) I noticed that, too. Yeah. So uh, Tim and Marcus apparently uh, get a lot of their phraseology and hey listen man i pick up my phraseology from a lot of different places too and maybe you pick up on where it comes from and maybe you don't you think i'm the most creative person in the world when you don't pick up on the stuff that i've stole from here or stole from there but when 
you listen to Pat McAfee so much that his vocal catchphrases work it into your catchphrases, it's time to reevaluate your life. Uh, I'm going to have to have somebody. You know what, uh, Ed, go and watch the other episodes because no, I'm not going to. Ed no, told me he, he, he watched four minutes of the first video and he couldn't take it. Uh, I'm going to hire an intern to find out only because I, I want to know if Height of Powers was ripped off from one of the other episodes. And if it is, then I got to take it out of my lexicon. <laughs> yeah. I got to take it back. I can't have the influence of Pat McAfee seep through to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, he Joe, stinks. He's yeah. terrible as a commentator on World Wrestling Entertainment. He was able to be trained to do one halfway decent match with Adam Cole, arguably one of the best guys that they have in World Wrestling Entertainment, and he was terrible in this. Mm-hmm. Was there anything redeemable about either of the shows? Anything that you were like, okay, that one second isn't that bad, other than uh, TTB looking like Charlie Day? Uh, it looked like it had, like, it looks like they have a nice space to run shows. Okay. Um, the ring looked to be in decent shape, and it looked like it had somewhat decent production values. All right. I, my only redeeming quality is I did enjoy the Easter Bunny double cross. That's my only thing. Like, literally out of the 40 minutes of this. Oh, and the fact that it was only, like, 40 minutes. Yeah, I guess it did take up a lot of time, but those 40 minutes felt like four hours. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I will just say, and obviously I'll let you assign your homework in a minute. Uh, uh, as I mentioned before, the my next homework assignment won't be nearly as bad, but it'll still be bad. Um, oh, but I, I want to ask you, was this the worst thing I've assigned ever? I would have to go back through everything, but I would say this is close. Yeah. Like, obviously, I, I kind of like looking back at some of the things there. Oh, geez. Like Wrestling Society X. And... No, Wrestling Society X I actually enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, geez, I'm drawing a blank now. Other crap that Ed has recommended. <laughs> and I didn't even, I, I didn't even, like, um, I, I enjoyed the Heat Up show for what it was. I enjoyed watching it. Like, my biggest issues with Heat Up were, the, like, the production values. The fact that they just had, like, one stationary camera. And the way that a lot of the matches were worked, like sometimes when they would go into the one quarter, you just couldn't see what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Still working on getting that VHS converted to DVD, too, that we talked about a couple weeks ago, but maybe in the future. All right. But, Joe, what do you got for me? All right. So uh, what I'm assigning to you is the June 2nd, 2012 uh, Chikara event entitled Chikarasaurus Rex. How to Hatch a Dinosaur from the Trocadero in beautiful downtown Philadelphia. Uh, this is available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, I know I mentioned the card before, but we'll give it a quick uh, through line here. Uh, we have Ultramantis Black taking on Ophidian. In a Loser of the Fall leaves, a t- leaves Town match, Colt Cabana and Mixed Martial Archie take on Mr. Touchdown and Dasher Hatfield. Granite, Kuma, and Icarus square off in a ladder match. Handicap matches Sarah Del Rey and Saturine take on all three members of the Batiri. Uh, a mask versus hair match as Hollow Wicked takes on Tim Donst. A five-on-five match as Eddie Kingston, Jigsaw, Mike Quackenbush, Green Ant, and Soldier Ant take on 17, The Shard, Assailant, Combat Ant, and Deviant. And in the main event, John Gargano and Chuck Taylor uh, defend the tag team titles against the Young Bucks. Uh, top to bottom, a great show. 
Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to go in to see if there's any supplemental material that you need to watch alongside this. I'm going to guess it's probably at the end of the video. Um, mm. But, you know, uh, I think if you've been following along, at least at this point for the last couple of weeks of us assigning these Chikara shows, there's nothing new that you need to know coming in here. Um, you know, if I do find any sort of mixed martial Archie promo video to go along with this as a hype video, I'll be sure to like tweet it out from the show account. Oh, okay. That's the only exception I'll make to last minute additions to the homework is if it's MMA. Right. All right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And also, Joe, in the things I learned this week of that so Vansky, I did not know what fist stood for until this week. Is it does it actually stand for friends in similar tights? No, it technically <laughs> it technically stands for nothing. OK, um, but it kind of uh, developed into uh, friends in similar tights. Oh, OK. I forget where I heard that. I think it was like the boar on something this week. Oh, you know what it was? It was probably the boar on the A show when he said he wanted to be in Fist. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> uh, so I mentioned Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, of course. Uh, you can check that out this weekend. You can use our promo code at odds. You don't get five free days, but it's your way of letting Jerry know that we referred you to sign up for new subscribers. It's been Deathmatch Summer over at Independent Wrestling or Independent Wrestling tv as this friday icw is putting on pit fighter x9 and then sunday no peace underground is doing the hell is home and icw is doing no holds barred 14 if you're a fan of death matches if you're a fan of sharps if you're a fan of danger these are the shows for you and uh, i do my best to try to remind you is what's coming out of course there and also, uh, if you head over to the uh, the show post over at uh, Longbox Heroes that accompanies every one of these episodes, you could find our Amazon link. Uh, it does not cost you anything extra. It's an affiliate link. They call it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Mm. Yeah, but it's like a two-month rolling cycle for the end of the month. You know, we just started it in June, so, you know, no. we're going to talk. August. <laughs> Fair enough. It's just the way they do those things. So, but yeah, it's a way to support the show. There, uh, other ways to support the show is our T Public store. Uh, again, you can find that at tinyurl.com. Longbox Heroes. Uh, you know, Longbox Heroes are the mothership of all this sort of stuff. So that's why that all gets branded. I'm too cheap to buy a separate URL for this show. There is a sale going on this weekend: thirty-five percent off everything. And you can get those at-odds-inspired things on shirts and pins and cell phone covers and face masks and notebooks and all sorts of shit. This weekend, up until Monday, I think, it's 35% off. And like I said, that's uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. That gets you to our Tee Public store. And there's Longbox Hero stuff in there, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Play stuff in there. There's even a design in there for the Jingle Meister David Kincannon himself. Nice. And obviously, Joe did not prompt me to say this, so I'm going into business for myself here, but uh, you've been bringing it up a lot on other podcasts. I just want to say, if you are not giving a dollar a month to Longbox Heroes Patreon, 
you are missing out. Like I actually legit pay for the Patreon, even though I probably can get it for free if I asked uh, as being part of the network. But, uh, you know, you pay. I'm sure a lot of you out there have Patreons and not to shit on other people's Patreons, but I'm sure you pay a lot more for a lot less than you would get. uh, Joe, two free shows a month, exclusive shows for a dollar a month. Uh, I I definitely think that uh, that is the best bargain you can get on Patreons. And Joe didn't put me up to that, but I wanted to say that right before I get into the plugs of other podcasts. Thank you. Thank you. Like I said, it's more of a me and Todd, my co-host on Longbox Hero sort of thing. Absolutely. And, you know, we've we've greatly underpriced ourselves, but it was more of like a way to just get as many people as we can to sign up. I just recently put up the scans for the uh, April, May and June 1991 previews catalogs. If you're a comic book person like that's the beginning of the boom period of comic books that leads to stuff like the death of Superman, image comics, all that sort of stuff like this is the beginnings of that. Even if you don't have time to listen to these podcasts that Todd and I do, um, just to go through and essentially like thumb through those 200 plus page catalogs to see what the comic book industry, to see what merchandising, to see what marketing looked like 30 years ago. You know, I think that's kind of interesting as well. Yeah. All right. So speaking of which, obviously other podcasts you should listen to, Long Box Heroes, We Need Wrestling final wrestling place we talked about them before and i just want to go take a minute here and just tell tim i'm not taking shots at you buddy i think you had a great showing against me on the a show and once you work your way back up the card maybe you can have another shot at me but uh obviously check out final wrestling place uh porch talk wrestling cheers check out justin from wrestling cheers on major world order this week uh so that was a a surprise appearance on another show between the Sheets, House Show Podcast, Viewer's Choice, Not Another Sports Podcast, The A Show, and Pod Van Dam featuring in his 27th guest appearance, our very own Joe. Well, hey, shit. Um, I neglected to mention, uh, I think we should have started the show with this, but we're talking about it now. The hashtag worked. Yeah. I we got Ed on uh, uh, Between the Sheets to talk about Dude Love in uh, two weeks. Now, here's a question for you, and by extension to Beck, so I'm sure is listening to this. Is this going to be hidden behind a paywall, or is it for the people? No, it is the main show. Um, you know, this is going to be the normal Monday show drop that comes out in two weeks. Um, the only thing they put behind a paywall is, like, those, like, specialty shows where it's like, here's a list of all the crimes of Paul Heyman, <laughs> and, like, here's, like, the sale, like, the, the like the real story of the sale of WCW. And then it's like a two part thing that are like six hours each spread out yeah. once a month. No, this is going to be like the regular Monday weekly episode. Ed is going to be the guest. Just like I've been the guest on those before in the past. Yeah. Uh, just like John Thorne has been just like Dom Garini has been, uh, you know, other friends of the show have been on as well, but no paywall, man. It's going to be the regular free episode Monday morning. All right. Awesome. I was a little worried. I think I, I I don't know if it was a reply to a tweet or something or if Bix was just having fun with somebody teasing it. But I, I got that vibe. So I'm excited that I'm going to check it out uh, as I do whenever any of the friends of the network or you or you were on there or whatever. But uh, I'm anxious to know what the next big unwieldy hashtag is going to be now that that one's a success. You could well, you can erase it now. You could take it off. You could delete that email, Joe. Yeah, so I could delete that that, that uh, link, that, that save search, search has been uh, deleted. 
Uh, this a- this afternoon, I was toying a little bit with Summer of Wicked, since Hollow Wicked seems to be taking a little bit more uh, bookings this summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like Wicked. He's a good man. I'm glad he's getting out there. It's a treat for you getting a chance to see him. But again, Summer of Wicked, not unwieldy enough, of course. Uh, there's the evergreen one of Get Eddie Kingston a Figure in AEW Unrivaled or AEW Unmatched Lines. Um, we're going to work on something. We're going to work on the new unwieldy hashtag. Yeah. I feel like the Eddie Kingston one is just a matter of time, you know, and obviously he could have been hot shotted to the front of the line, but I think that that's coming, you know, we, they already announced the next couple waves, but I, I got to feel like he's in the next batch. So even that one, you know, hopefully will be put to rest shortly. Well, that's the thing by having the hashtag going for as long as I have been, whether it be getting Ed on between the sheets or getting, you know, when we got Orange Cassie the figure, we got Eddie Kingston the figure, I can take credit for these things. Oh, of course. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I can say the hashtags work, you know? <laughs> yes, the longer the better. And as DeWiki found out, there is a limit to the amount of characters in the hashtag. <laughs> I learned that a long time ago when I tried to steal your Eddie Kingston hashtag. And I actually had it be like, it was the same exact hashtag, but it said, but at, like at the end of it, it was said something to the effect of, but first get Tay Conte one. Uh, <laughs> it was too long, but uh, luckily she's getting her figure first. So we know who won that round. Right. Yeah. Speaking of figures, you want to do weekly purchases first to make the, the folks who are sticking around for the PVD gossip uh, wait even longer? Bob Van Dam gossip, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so weekly purchases. What do you got this week? I only got one thing. All right. A- as I had tweeted out earlier in the week, we are in the year of financial responsibility. So huh? I, took, I took it real easy this week, Joe. I took it real easy. Uh, I only have really two things to talk about. And one of them was like a, a Joe Sposto, like responsible necessary uh, necessity purchase. So I'm going to start off with the fuckery purchase and then I'll give it over to you. Uh, I purchased this week from our local comic shop uh, two Mandalorian figures I needed, uh, the carded Vintage Series Mandalorian and the carded Retro Series Mandalorian, which uh, one of them is just like the highly detailed little three and three quarter figure. And the other one kind of has like the the shitty paint job to look like a 70s figure and the the card is distressed looking but uh mandalorian figures i'm trying to get like one every one of everyone i can unless it's some stupid like 500 dollars brand new figure but uh these i was missing and you know that our local comic shop had them and i was like oh mine i'll take them now uh related but unrelated um you were talking last week and you're talking now about the uh you know star wars mandalorian whatever figures and I think you had sent me the text of those uh, die-cast ones that you'd bought. Yeah, yeah. And then after we recorded last week, we were kind of looking at them online, and I was looking at them online. I'm like, oh, they're really nice. And, you know, some of them aren't very pricey to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. And I jokingly said to you, it's like, oh, well, when the Bib Fortuna one comes out, <laughs> I'll get that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and you're like, oh, yeah, keep it for the big guns. But I've always been a Bib, Bib Fortuna guy. No, I know. That's why I was saying they, they can't release every heavy hitter in the first line. They got to save him for later. Yeah, yeah. So um, nothing's happening just yet. But let's just say I have Bib Fortuna saved with uh, uh, an alert these days. <laughs> and now, again, he doesn't he doesn't have a ton of figures. So if I decide to like I'm going to pull this trigger and I want to expand my collection, somebody gifts me a Detolf and I need <laughs> to fill it. 
I'll be like, okay, I can get all of the Bib Fortuna figures. You know, I think there's like seven. Okay, I was going to ask if there's an incarnation of domination of Bib Fortuna <laughs> in our future. <laughs> Uh, obviously, the only one would be a carded uh, one from the original series from 82, 83. That would probably run me about 300 bucks. Okay. That's that's not bad. That's not no, bad. No, but anything else, like, I wouldn't be paying more than 40 bucks. Like, I could get some stuff, like, nice and minty on cards from other sets for, like, 7 bucks. Yeah, so you can get anything from Power of the Force for, like, $4. Yeah, <laughs> plus shipping. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of that stuff at Toy Hile, not surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, I was even thinking, I think Marky had mentioned on Major Figure this week um, that uh, he's, like, doing the Bounty Hunters, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about doing the Bounty Like, I'm like, I'm, I've been a Star Wars fan, you know? I know I saw somebody online saying that the uh, Back to the Future trilogy is not is better than the, the original Star Wars trilogy. Facts. And that's, that's an argument uh, for another day. <laughs> But I'm like, I like Star Wars, you know, like I like all the alien races and stuff. And like, what if I did like a Jabba's Palace collection? What if I did a Bounty Hunters collection? What if I just did like an alien races collection? That sort of thing. Because like those are the characters that I like a little bit more, you know, Luke and Han and whatever. But like I like all the fucky characters and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I have in my mind if I'm going to pull that trigger, it's going to be a Bib Fortuna collection. You know what? I'm not going to knock as somebody who likes bargain basement Batman. I'm not going to fault you for anything you want to collect. Yeah, and I'm 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 proud that you finally admitted that Azrael sucks. So thank you. He doesn't suck. I didn't say that. I just okay. said he's more of a niche character. You know. Right. And being the watered down version of one of the biggest superheroes of all time isn't exactly a slight. You know. So yeah, you, you know he's at least seventh or eighth best Batman. Mm, all right. All right. Oh, that reminds me. I forgot to send out a Golden Age of Azrael tweet today because he was on the cover of a Catwoman book this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so it's just as another as another side note, um, as you're talking about the Azrael stuff, um, I had tweeted these at Tim, and there's another one that I might get itchy for if I see more of them. Uh, McFarlane Toys are doing Batman figures based on the 60s TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one that I'd be like, I could just get the villains. Okay. You know, no knock on Batman, Robin, Batgirl, whatever. But, you know, I think if they make like an Egghead and a King Tut and <laughs> yeah. a Shane figure, you know, like I'm like, ooh, there's no Shane figures. There's no King Tut figure based on Victor Buono. There's no Vincent Price Egghead figure. I'm like, these are like the oddball ones that I would get. Yeah. Yeah, but right now, all they have is, like, Batman, Riddler, Joker. They look awesome, um, but I'm not itchy yet. Yeah, does the Joker have a painted uh, painted over mustache? You can't tell from the prototype images. No, it better. <laughs> but if they, do a, if they do variant heads for it, where it's one with the painted over mustache and one without, I might get that. Yeah, those DC multiverse figures are very, they're very hit or miss, you know, for me, because they'll just, like do two entire lines it's nothing but dark knight's metal but then like they'll be like oh here's you know red sun superman and another azrael and you know a really cool reverse flash or whatever and i'll be like oh fuck you know it's very alternating back and forth between whether i need all of them or none of them and i guess the pre-orders for the john cena peacemaker just went up today yeah what a great sculpt And again, that's another one of those ones where the prototype doesn't look great. I don't like the head. 
the hair looks too dark, whatever. You're probably going to want to display it with the mask on, the helmet on anyway. I don't care. Yeah. But I did notice that in that line, King Shark is the builder figure, and that's how they fucking get you. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell you, because again, I've been buying the Todd McFarlane multiverse figures for a while and following them on social media. The prototypes are usually pretty accurate, unless, you know, there's some huge fuck up. But from what I see, like when there's a figure announced that I like, I generally like screenshot it or save the image just to kind of remind myself that I need to be looking for this figure or looking for a release date. And they tend to look pretty similar. So I don't know if the difference with the John Cena head might be a, Hey, if we just make it look 75% like John Cena, we can say it's based on the comic or, you know, not pay as much in royalties. I'm just spitballing, but maybe that's the case, but I wouldn't expect it to look much different when it comes out. For sure. All right. What do you got, Joe? Well, I only got one. Um, Obviously, this went through the chain of people. Uh, You contacted DJ of We Need Wrestling. He contacted me. Uh, I am not the Michael Jordan of Terry Funk action figure collecting like uh, DJ is. I'm probably like the sixth guy off the bench of the Bulls. Mm. Oh, but I just want to say, so DJ is the Michael Jordan of Terry Funk collecting? Uh, I would say so, yes. Oh, so he has every Terry Funk figure ever, huh? He's working on it. Uh, oh, oh, so he's... He's probably he's, got more than you. Well, I don't claim to be the Terry Funk of, uh... <laughs> of right. or the Michael Jordan of Terry Funk figures. All right, just just clear in the air. Just, just curious. Curious what so, people are claiming. A while ago, they did the Micro Brawler of Terry Funk. That goes for a pretty penny. It goes for about 75 bucks these days. Mm-hmm. They just announced this week that they're doing a bloody variant of that Terry Funk. DJ contacted me and said, hey, I'm getting a couple for myself. I'm getting a couple for Brett, his co-host. Uh, if you want one, let me know. I'll order it so we can all save on shipping. I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. It ended up costing me 18 bucks, all said and done. And that's just another email sitting in the box. So that's <laughs> currently one, two, three, four, five. Because like the other day I said I only had four. <laughs> I have five. I don't count my uh, my email to LVAC about getting those uh, Scotty Flamingo one punch bingo pink polos made. <laughs> I'm, I know you might be surprised on this. Not a lot of people bit and said they'd get one. So <laughs> I don't know how the pre-order would go. But just in case I decided, like, fuck it, make me one, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My list, as I tweeted out about, is actually down to only 20 emails. Oh, okay. It's going down. It's going down. But as Todd pointed out, there are some things that he ordered for me that would be not in there. And then obviously some stuff you've ordered for me that are not in there. But I do have a a separate list of things that are outstanding that uh, would not be in the email. So, But 20 emails. So we're getting down. I'd like to get it down to nothing, but I don't think there will ever be a day where I don't have something outstanding that's like waiting to come in. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be toys. I'm sure God's honest truth. Six months from now, I might be like completely out of the toy game. Not that I'm going to sell my stuff, but I'll just not be buying stuff. I might like at that point be moving on to comics again or cards. I'm very cyclical like that, you know? Right. All right. But yeah, I mean, I saw that funk micro brawler. I immediately thought of you and DJ. And uh, I think if you're going to have a micro brawler of Terry Funk, that's the one to have. You know, the bloody one is definitely the cooler looking of the two. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that there's a Chainsaw Charlie one so we can get the one true Terry Funk at some point. But I, uh, <laughs> I'd buy that one too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, and uh, we talked a little bit off the air. I am sad that I missed out on those Brian Myers like error slash fuck up versions that were briefly released. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, those listening, uh, go Google it. They are awesome. And I missed out. But uh, my only purchase this week, my big boy purchase, Joe, is we talk all the time because we're two large men and we're always complaining about it being too hot. Uh, I have in every room, every room in my house, a window air conditioner, except for my living room slash dining room slash kitchen, which is this big open area in the palatial, uh, van estate. And there is no windows that can accommodate an air conditioner. So I had a portable air conditioner, uh, attached to the kitchen window. And I've had that for about three years and that finally died on me. Oh, no. Yeah, but I, I have the uh, the three-year uh, gimmick through the importer-exporter place where you can, you know, take something back to get it, you know, if it's broken down. And sure. I always set I always set reminders whenever I buy, like, a, a bigger appliance or really any electronic that I feel like might need to be, air quote, upgraded at some point that, like, oh, hey, this expires in three years or this expires in four years because if you're an employee – you just kind of get the wink and a nod when you say, oh, this is broken. Uh-huh. And you take it in and you get a new and improved version. So, like, whenever I buy a router, I always get the two-year replacement on the router. So, every two years, I get a new router for, for you know, for basically nothing. But long story short, the air conditioner did legitimately stop working. And I had bought the house brand of the, Insigni- uh, of the air conditioner, which was called Insignia. Uh, and I had bought that just because I wanted the largest possible BTU imaginable, but at the time I didn't want to pay a lot of money. So I think at my employee price, I dropped like $200 on this thing three years ago. And, uh, so it just broke and I knew I was getting that $200 to put towards something else. So I went to the appliance people and I was like, listen, money is no object. I just want I have a dream that I can walk into my house one day and it's actually cool in my living room, you know, over the summer. So I was like, get me the largest BTU imaginable. So I was (laughs) able to, and again, it was maybe only like 2000 BTUs more than the one I had, but because it was a name brand one, that $200 just kind of put a dent (laughs) in the rest of the air conditioner. So uh, I, I had to spend a lot of money on that AC uh, which is now just sitting on my kitchen floor. I mean, it's plugged in, but uh, but yeah, it's doing the job. Uh, hopefully, this heat wave do- you know goes away and it's not a hundred degrees outside. But uh, yeah, to buy a, a Joe supposed to adult big boy purchase, and that's kind of why I didn't spend much on figures or anything this week. Big boy purchase is always a good thing, you know. Um, I talked a couple of weeks ago that I had to get the free on charge for our central air gimmick that we kind of inherited with the house. Yeah. Uh, not going to belabor the point, but when we bought the house, we were told it didn't work. And then I think like two years in owning the house, we turned it on uh, on a whim just to see, and it actually worked and it blew cold air. And this is the second time in 14 years that we had to get a recharge on it. It was running a little heavy, sounded a little uh, struggling the last uh, week or so. But I think it's because of the heat wave, and it hasn't yeah. been struggling the last two, three days. So I think the heat wave is starting to break. Yeah, hopefully. Yep. All right, well, that's all I got for weekly purchases. <laughs> all right. So now it's for the talk of the uh, podcasting world, huh? <laughs> 
Yeah, your appearance on Pod Van Dam. My appearance on Pod Van Dam this week. Now, I can say this here because I know for sure Pat don't listen to the show. Mm-hmm. And I know for sure Jonah don't listen to the show. The only person who listens to the show is Ed. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was graciously asked to be on to be the judge of the Pod Van Dam Pro draft. And I take these things very seriously. And... Saturday morning, as I was watching uh, the thing that Ed assigned us through you, <laughs> I wrote those 10 things and I really belabored them, right? I'm like, uh, you know, let's have some fun things for me and let's have some fun things for the show. Um, you know, let's have like a bonus for Pat, a bonus for Ed, a bonus for Jonah. And then I had to throw in the gimmick about minus a million points as, as any Dana Donnelly reference, okay? Yeah. That's what screwed Ed. If Ed didn't do, if Ed did not bring up Dana Donnelly once throughout the course of the podcast, he would have won. Hmm. Um, while Pat's card was good, I did like Ed's card better, but I have to stick to the rules that I set forth for myself in regards to this. Now it's been a while since they did the draft. You know, um, they did it like maybe a season ago, I think, uh, two seasons ago, because they do their seasons weird. I don't know. <laughs> they like. Their seasons are six months at a clip where they take like a week or two off. Yeah. And I forgot that last time, uh, Jonah, who I don't even think likes wrestling, let alone watches wrestling, <laughs> had Dom help him with uh, uh, his card, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they, uh, Ed, and, uh, Ed and Pat, had already accused Reese, uh, faithful listener of Pod Van Dam in the Discord, the whole thing, of assisting Jonah with his card, right? Yeah. So as Jonah is drafting his card, I notice a theme to who he's picking. He's picking a lot of Chikara people. He's picking a lot of people that I'm friendly with. Um, And then he's putting his card together and he's just reading off move names that he looked up on like Wikipedia, right? Yeah. Or someone looked up for him. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're hammered them the whole time. They're like, oh, Reese put together a great card for you, Reese, Reese, Reese. And then all of a sudden, Jonah said something. And it tipped <laughs> me off of who it was who assisted Jonah put his card together. Because mm. at one point during a match on the show, and I wrote it down because I don't have it in front of me here. Uh, excuse me. It was the handicap match, correct? No, it was during uh, John Thorne versus... Uh, no, was it the handicap match, or was it John Thorne versus Darkness Crabtree? It, it was the handicap match. I oh, know what you're talking about. You yeah. would know. Uh, oh, uh, well, I, I just listened to the podcast a couple hours ago, so yeah. <laughs> so, uh, during the handicap match of the Spectral Envoy, who Jonah had a little di- difficulty of knowing who the people in there were, uh, taking on Molly McCoy and Boomer Hatfield, uh, they were joined by a third person that made no sense to be there, but for that person to show up, the lights went out. And Jonah made sure to say the lights went out, the lights went out. And I'm like, I don't think Broski helped with this. I think it might have been Vansky. And uh, and I give you kudos for pandering and doing a show that I would like. But I wanted shows that, like, were Pod Van Dam shows, not shows that catered to me. Mm. Um, so I knew Jonah had help, but once I knew that he had help from you, there was no way in good conscience I could pick his card. Oh. 
All right. Well, I guess I'll spill the beans on um, a peek <laughs> behind the curtain. So uh, a couple days ago, like, oh, geez, it might have been like middle of last week. Jonah messaged me and Jonah don't message me. It's not like you, you and him where you guys like chat every day for a couple hours. But So I don't hear from Jonah that much. But uh, he messaged me, said you're doing the draft and that you were going to be the guest host. And he actually said, he's like, I want to pick everybody that Joe loves. He's <laughs> like, I want to take people that, you know, Joe's friends with people that he loves the match, you know, whatever. And he did not tell me what the rules were. So I think I was just like, oh, you know, obviously I was like, take uh, Eddie Kingston, Kevin Nash, Raven, you know, blah, 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 Brian Myers, uh, so I'm just naming off people. And then he comes back at me. He's like, well, no, no, they have to be like, I want to do like all Chikara guys. So I'm like, okay, well, some of them still work, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, well, no, I can't take people that are on a main roster, you know, because originally he thought it was all indie people and whatever. We're going back and forth. And one of the things he had mentioned is that you can't take a tag team as one pick. And I, I actually told him, I was like, dude, you need to appeal to Joe at some point, either on air or before the show, and just say, hey, this, you know, all the other draft shows, you could take a t- an established tag team as one pick, because our goal was to have, instead of Boomer and Molly McCoy, was to have 3.0 be there. Yeah, that, and, and that grab was, them first, right yeah, off the rip. Yeah, that was the idea. But, you know, so anyways, we, we got it down to uh, a bunch of people that fit within the rules, and he had originally said there's no chance that Orange Cassidy will make it to him and not have Pat select him. So he's like, who can I take if Orange Cassidy's gone? And I was like, okay, you take Eddie Kingston there. So originally the main event was going to be Eddie Kingston against Kevin Nash. Oh and, and then he, he got in like a panic like a couple hours before the show. And he's like, what happens if Orange Cassidy's still there? I was like, well, then you take Orange Cassidy, you have him wrestle Kevin Nash, you have the two coolest people on the planet in your main event. Right. And I was like, and then if Eddie Kingston is available in the next round, you take Eddie Kingston, everybody else just drops down. And so when I was listening to the draft, I was like, okay, you have your first guy is available. He obviously took Eddie or he took Orange Cassidy and then he never took Kingston. I was so disappointed that like every round went by, not only did not did Pat, or I'm sorry, Jonah not take him, but nobody took him. So I was like, this, this went from being a potential number one overall pick to just not being drafted. So I was a little upset about that, but, uh, literally the, the roster that I gave him is 99%, uh, intact. The only thing that he went into business for himself with was originally there was going to be John Thorne against uh, a redacted person. And uh, he introduced the Darkness Crabtree angle aspect of it, as well as the Brett Lauderdale swerve. But, I knew uh, that. I knew that was Jonah. Yeah. So that I don't think his... I don't think you would know Brett Lauderdale or any of that other stuff. Yeah. But the uh, the Bryce stuff, you know, I was talking to him about. Uh, I had pitched the most professional wrestler versus the very good professional wrestler, and I'm yeah. a little upset it wasn't presented that way. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we lost points there. Um, I yeah. So when I told him uh, about the lights going out, uh, I, he's like, "Okay, what does that mean?" I was like, "Okay, well, it's it's a broski <laughs> thing. 
So now you have to explain yes. Broski's <laughs> lunacy to someone who has absolutely no fucking clue. I love it. Well, no. So uh, originally he said, I want it to be really obvious that I got help. And I think obviously mission accomplished. <laughs> and then he, uh, I asked him, I was like, well, do you want it to be obvious that you got help or do you want it to be obvious you got help from me? And he's like, no, like obvious who I got the help from. I was like, all right, well, this is what you need to do. At some point, there needs to be a big reveal. And then you reveal the person with the lights going out. And I literally typed it out twice with right. the second one being in caps. And I was like, and you need to shout them. And uh, so he, I think he did an okay job. He could have gotten a little louder. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than the fact that it wasn't uh, the Spectral Envoy versus 3.0, uh, I think the card went completely as planned. Uh, and you did an amazing job delivering it. I have exception to you, sir. It has been said numerous times by many people, yourself included, that any card that has Kevin Nash on it is the winning card. So you, sir, are a liar and a cheat. I just want to throw that out there. Um, and I get that you felt it was too pandering, but I mean, Raven was on this card, man. Yeah, I don't the understand. Boss, Raven, yeah. I don't understand how he didn't pick this. You know, ooh, Mr. Stiffy McGee, Joshua Bishop's on this one. Ooh. <laughs> but uh <laughs> So uh, I first of all, I first of all I want to say I never said any match that or any card that has Kevin Nash on it is a winner, because obviously uh DJ who picked him on his things for the A show would have won to the finals against me and beat me in the finals because he would have had Kevin Nash on all those things. Uh, I like Kevin Nash quite a bit, but, you know, you still got to have a support system around uh, Kevin Nash. I feel like you've at least echoed the sentiment. Yeah, you know, I feel that way. But, you know, when it comes right down to it, you know, I'm going to go with uh, my heart and I'm going to go with the rules. And that's the other thing you mentioned about, like, drafting tag teams together and so forth. Um, the boys had contacted me privately and we even mentioned it publicly on the show. And I'm like... Like their whole thing is like they had a wrestling they had a wrestling indie thing right, mm. and uh, Ed's pick of Bo James as wild card and I'm like I know Bo James wrestles in his shitty Tennessee uh, promotion and they they had to put stuff up on YouTube because I could have swore I saw someone gif it right because it's always bad yeah and I said no he did you know he ran shows for his promotion grand in front of no fans I go so <laughs> you could use him as a regular pick he doesn't have to be wild card. And it's like, no, 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 he'll be my wild card. I'm like, okay. But I told them ahead of time, I'm like, I honestly don't care who you pick. I go, I feel as though my job is just to make sure that, like, somebody who gets picked in round one, they don't forget about and somebody else picks them again and wastes a pick, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're a referee that's let, giving them a little leeway. A lot of the leeway. I told yeah. them, I go, no matter who you guys pick, I'm going to default to yes. Yeah. Um, But some members... Of the Pod Van Dam show, won't name who, uh, took things very seriously. <laughs> uh, Might have shouted down some of the judges' rules to to go in their favor. Um, you know, as I read, someone who put out a uh, a, a notepad uh, <laughs> statement regarding it earlier today, and uh, obviously, as they mentioned, that there's uh, legalities involved. I'd rather not say any more about it. Yes. <laughs> um, and you're named in there. I just want to say you're named in there as well, because it says looking into possible collusion between a go-host <laughs> and uh, what was supposed to be an unbiased judge. Now, that's lead that's speculating that I was somehow involved in this. Uh, I could certainly say no collusion whatsoever with me and anyone. 
Yeah, I, I will say for the record and for all legal purposes that I, being of sound bod- body and mind, uh, did not in any way collude with Joe Sposto for the Pod Van Dam draft. Right, and uh, last I heard, uh, Ed has an army of uh, pro boner, lo- pro boner, pro lawyers <laughs> on retainer that are ready to take me down and get back everything I stole from him. <laughs> If pro boner lawyers isn't the show title this week. Well, it uh, is now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I saw Ed's uh, very long post. Usually you don't see uh, somebody screenshotting a notepad app and then tweeting it out unless they're being uh, apologizing for getting canceled. Mm-hmm. You know, we're denying something. <laughs> Ugh. But I don't know if you have anything else to say there, but... Uh, Obviously, I, I had fun helping Jonah. Jonah did a great job of executing. I think he won. Uh, you know, I think if this goes to a, an audience poll, which I don't know if their plans are, I know somebody tweeted out before the show recorded saying, who do you think is going to win? And uh, due to me and all my Sako accounts, Jonah had a hearty lead on that one. <laughs> Sure, sure. But I, I don't know if they're going to do it after the fact. Uh, I hope they do so we can find out uh, who the fans think won. Cause so I, I may have gone in to try to vote myself, um, yeah. and I saw that some of the accounts that we might share have already voted. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Porch Talk was very vocal on that one, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. So I think Pat needs to be knocked down a peg. All this two-time winner stuff is going to his head. Well, again, he gets the illustrious prize to uh, pick the show uh, opening and or closing music when they come back next season, you know? Yeah. So. Well, there's a lot of responsibility there. Their music's been pretty good lately. And and pride. It's, it's another yeah. source of pride as well, you know? Yeah. But, hey, it was a good show overall, Joe, even without my cons- conspiring. I enjoyed your appearance on there. I look forward to your next appearance next season and the one after that and the one after that. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think I was on as much as everyone says that I was. You I, know? I'm kidding. I know. Yeah. Take it as a compliment, buddy. Yeah. Again, if you enjoyed my appearance there, thank you very much for checking it out. Um, and always check out Pod Van Dam. They do a good, fun show, and I like those boys very much. You know. Mm-hmm. That's all I got, though. Yeah, that's it. Me too. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Everyone. <laughs> uh, Thanks for listening to episode 145, At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying we'll see you next week. Enjoy some wrestling and be safe, everyone. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.